the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Isaiah. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Get your mind around the concept when, when Isaiah says, seek the Lord, he doesn't mean just a one-time encounter. He means beat a path down between you and God. Seek after him. Make it such a regular thing that you're actually beating a path between you and God. God said through the prophet Jeremiah something similar as to what he said through Isaiah in Jeremiah 29, 13. God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Are you feeling lost, uncertain, or disconnected? Do you feel like you are just wandering around the earth without purpose? In today's edition of Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary talks about how we are to seek the Lord. God promises that those who seek Him will find Him. But seeking Him isn't a one-time event. It's a continual pursuit. Just like a plant needs sunlight and water to grow, we need to continually seek after the Lord to thrive. When we chase after the Lord, He will give us purpose and fulfillment. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, as he begins his message, Seek the Lord. For today, we're here in Isaiah, chapter 55. If you'll take your Bibles and go with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah, chapter 55. Now, while you're turning there, let me just set the stage and give you a little bit of the background. Here in the book of Isaiah, we are reading the words of a prophet given to the people of Judah, which is the southern territory of Israel, around 700 B.C. During this particular time of Israel's history, they are sinning against God in a big way. They are rebelling against Him and worshiping idols. They're actually carving images made of wood and metal, and they're bowing down to these images instead of worshiping the true and living God. So God is always merciful. He's always patient. And what he tends to do historically is he sends a prophet one after another after another to warn his people and to invite them to turn their hearts to the Lord. And so this is what Isaiah is doing here. He is exhorting. He is warning. But when we come here to chapter 55, he is inviting people to turn from their sin and to turn to the living Lord. And so Uh, This is the plea that he makes here in chapter 55, starting in verse 6. I'll read chapter uh, 55, verse 6, down through verse 11. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Let's pause there in prayer. Lord, as we come before you now, we just bow our heads and our hearts. We just humble ourselves before you that, Lord, we would open ourselves to what you would have to say to us today. Thank you, Lord, for your, your word. Thank you, Father, for the encouragement of your word. Thank you, Lord, sometimes for the, the rebuke of your word, because you love us so much that you never want us to remain as we are. So use this time now as we study together to just move in our own hearts, Lord, and we just, we just open ourselves to what you would want to do in our lives today. And we're so thankful that you love us that you died on a cross for us, and we celebrate you, and we're grateful for this time together in your house. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. In 1622, a Spanish ship by the name of Our Lady of Atosha sailed from the Spanish colonies, primarily of Colombia and Panama, on their way back towards Spain. The Atosha was laden down with so much silver and gold and precious gems that had been recovered from the Americas that it took two months for them to load it all onto the ship. And as the ship began its return to Spain, just off of what we now call the Florida Keys, there was a hurricane and the Atosha sank on September the 6th, 1622. For nearly 400 years, the vast treasures of the Atosha lay undiscovered, buried somewhere on the floor of the ocean, until a man by the name of Mel Fisher, an American, decided that he was going to go seeking for the lost treasure of the Atosha. So in 1969, Mel Fisher gathered together, recruited divers, he outfitted a ship, and he also secured financial investors, and he relied on what was modern technology in 1969 and began to crisscross the ocean around the Florida Keys. And days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, and months turned into years. And one disappointment after another, after 15 years, nothing was found. But Mel Fisher determined to continue. And in the 16th year of crisscrossing the ocean, of examining all that he could, in 1985, after 16 years, they found, they discovered a large portion of the Atosha with its amazing treasures of 71 pounds of Colombian emeralds and 40 tons of silver and gold. In 1985, the estimated worth more than $450 million. In 2014, the Atosha was added to the Guinness Book of World Records for being the most valuable shipwreck ever to be recovered. And Mel Fisher 
is a great example of what it means to really seek for something. Someone who persevered and constantly seeking for what he knew was valuable. And there is something worth seeking far greater than silver or gold. And Isaiah tells us what that precious thing is here in chapter 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Even more precious than anything this world has to offer. The invitation from the Lord through the lips of Isaiah, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now in your Bibles, if you would highlight or circle the word seek, in the margin of your Bible, you can write the Hebrew word is dashar, D-A-S-H-A-R. Sorry, darash, I got the words, the letters mixed up. Darash, D-A-R-A-S-H, darash. And darash literally means to beat a path around something because you're repeatedly going to it. So wearing down a path because you're, you're constantly going to something. That's the idea of darash. Let me illustrate it this way. Many of you, you know, have been to farms or raised on a farm or maybe you own a farm. And uh, typically we've all seen how cattle, when they move from the barn to the pasture and from the pasture to the barn... They typically will follow single file and they will make their own path until it becomes worn out. That's the idea of darash. It's just a constant beating down of a path because you're seeking something. In the same way, if if you were to go to the woods, for example, or or along a riverbank that might be open to the general public and you go there to hike or to do whatever, people who have gone before you have, have trodden down a path and, and so you just hike a path that's already been laid out because somebody's already beaten down the path. That's the idea, that's the concept of darash. So I want you to get, get your mind around the concept. When, when Isaiah says, seek the Lord, he doesn't mean just a one-time encounter. He means beat a path down between you and God. Seek after him. Make it such a regular thing that you're actually beating a path between you and God. God said to the prophet Jeremiah something similar as to what he said through Isaiah in Jeremiah 29, 13. God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. David, in a similar way, in Psalm 145, verse 18, David said, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And this is what Isaiah is saying here in in chapter 55, verse 6, when he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call on him while he is near. Now please notice, there's some qualifiers there. The invitation is seek, darash, like like you're beating down a path, like make, make this constant communion with God. But he says, do this while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The implication is that God may not be as near to you as he is right now. Now, I I understand God is omnipresent. He's all places at all times. I get that. But the concept is that there is the opportunity for us to draw near to him while the distance is shortest. What creates a great distance between me and God is not that God abandons me, but the distance is created because of my sin against him. So call upon him while he is near. And the other concept here is this, 
that there comes a day when we all have to stand before the Lord and give an account. There's a day of reckoning for every single one of us. We have to stand before the Lord to give an account. And on that day, there will be no more seeking. There will be judgment. And so when Isaiah says here, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near, it's because we don't, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so he's near now. Call upon him now. Seek him now while he is near, while he might be found close by. And the next thing that he says here in verse 7, if you look here in your Bibles, we're just going to look through this passage together. If you follow along with me, verse 7, the next thing he says here is following the idea of seeking him. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon So he starts out by saying, seek the Lord, seek him, seek him while he might be found, call upon him while he is near. And he says, now listen, what we need to do in coming to him and seeking him is let the wicked forsake his ways, let the evil man his thoughts and turn to the Lord. So he, he calls us to forsake, to turn from and to turn to the concept here that he's speaking of is what the Bible refers to as repentance. Repentance is the turning from sin and the turning to the Lord. That's what repentance is all about here. The turning from our sin and turning to the Lord. See, some people don't understand the concept of repentance. And some people make the mistake that they think Christianity is just kind of doing what you do and then just adding Jesus on top. That's, That's not Christianity and that's not the concept of repentance. Repentance is, I turn from what I'm doing and I turn to the Lord. I'm going in the wrong direction, so I go 180 degrees and then I start to follow the Lord. But I turn away from what I'm doing. Don't be deceived into thinking that Christianity is, you just get to do what you're doing, add Jesus on top. Like, you know, you get to still cheat on your spouse or you get to still get drunk on Friday nights or still sleep with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or drop the F-bomb every once in a while or lie to your boss. But as long as I got Jesus, I'm good to go. No, that's not repentance. Let me illustrate it this way. Many years ago, right after I got married, even before we had kids, it seems like an eternity ago now that I think about it, but we had just barely been married, and there was this fundraiser for, I don't don't even remember. It might have been our church. It might have been a Christian school in the area. I don't remember what it was even for. It doesn't really matter. But they were having a cake auction. So, you know, you, you, everybody or a bunch of people bake cakes, bring in the cakes, and then other people auction, you know, and buy the cake, and then all the proceeds go to, to the charitable organization. So Terry volunteered to bake a cake. And so I don't know what happened, but let's just say it was the oven. <laughs> but the inside of that cake never got done. And, you know, and she was frustrated, and bless her heart, I mean, she's a great cook, a great baker. But on this particular occasion, the inside of this cake just would not get done. And, and now, like, we're, we got to get to the auction. We've we, we already volunteered. We signed up. We're going to bring a cake. we got to bring the cake. So Terry's like, well, here's what I'm going to do. And so she starts to carve out all the, all the gooey part that didn't get done in the center of this cake, all of the gooey part. And, and then she's throwing it in the trash. She says, what are you going to do? And she starts to wad up paper towels. And she starts to stuff it all on the inside of this cake. I said, what, what are you doing? And she's like, well, we got to go. We got we to get the cake. And, so, and then she proceeds to frost over all of it. 
So it's this beautiful cake and it's all frosted. It's beautiful. I said, honey, we, we can't take this to the auction. Somebody's going to bid on it, buy it, take it home and get a mouthful of paper towels. She says, no, 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 it's going to be okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it to the auction, she says to me, and you're going to bid on it. <laughs> so what, I, my contribution was buying the cake ingredients. And then we donate the cake. That's the way it's supposed to work. She says, no, 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 you're going to, you got to bid on it now. You got to bid on it because you're right. We can't have anybody. So the plan is you bid, you buy it. We break it, bring it home, and then we eat it ourselves. So, and I started having visions that I'm going to get into this like bidding war with an 80 year old grandma. Like I'll, be, I'll see you and raise you 200 on that cake there, Sonny. Like what, what's this going to, anyway, it all worked out and I don't even remember what I paid for it, but we got it home. We rescued the cake. We had a good laugh about it and nobody ever knew the difference. But I came to realize that this is the way a lot of people think about Christianity. It's just, I'm just going to be all messed up, and it doesn't really matter. I'll just stay like this, but I'm just going to smooth Jesus all over me like icing. That's their concept of the Christian life. That's not the right concept. That's messed up. That's not the right concept. The concept behind repentance is I give my messed up life to the Lord and I turn from it. I turn from my life. I stop doing what I'm doing. I learn as I grow in my faith. I renounce those things. I turn and I turn to the Lord. That's repentance. And this is what Isaiah is calling the people of his day. And it's timeless truth, folks. Okay, the people of Isaiah's day, 2,700 years ago, they had their own sin issues. Okay, we have our own sin issues. But the same principle is still enforced. If you want relationship with God, you got to turn from your wicked ways, from your sinful ways, and you have to turn to the Lord. This is why he says here, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the evil man his thoughts. Forsaking is renouncing and leaving. And then he adds, this is the rest of verse 7, and let him turn to the Lord, and he, meaning the Lord, will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. That's a great verse because it reminds us that God is merciful and God freely pardons. God is merciful and he freely pardons. That's why Isaiah says to us as sinners, forsake your ways, leave that, and turn to the Lord because why? The Lord is merciful and he freely pardons. Jeremiah would say in Jeremiah 30 verse 18, uh, sorry, Isaiah, Isaiah says earlier in his own book, chapter 30 verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you and he rises to show you compassion. That's the heart of God. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. And he rises to show you compassion. Now let me ask you, what motivates you to get up in the morning? Your alarm clock, right? I mean, I mean, how many people, how many people in life just, I can't, now that school started again, like how many of you teenagers just like, oh, I can't wait to get up. You know, I can't wait to get up. Um, I mean, maybe you love school, and if you do, we have counselors on staff. But anyway, I, I just never loved school. I never wanted to get up in the morning. And, and even if you have a job now, you're like, yeah, I get up because, but I mean, do you love your job? I mean, after the first few months, do you still love your job enough? Like, that's what gets me up in the morning. I don't know what might get you up in the morning, but let me tell you, figuratively speaking, what gets God up in the morning? He rises to show you compassion. 
That's what gets God up in the morning. He can't wait to find someone to be gracious to. He longs to be gracious to you, Isaiah 30, verse 18, and he rises to show you compassion. That God, figuratively speaking, loves to get up in the morning and be able to find, who is it that I can show compassion to today? Who is it that I can show my mercy to, my forgiveness, and my grace toward? Now, when you put all this together, see, when you hear what Isaiah is saying here in chapter 55, and then in what I just quoted in chapter 30, verse 18, and you realize that here God is, God, God loves to be merciful, God fully pardons, God longs to be gracious, and God rises to show you compassion, then the only thing that stands between my sin and my forgiveness is my pride. That's the only thing. What stands between my sin and my forgiveness that I receive from the Lord is my pride. David would write in Psalm 10, verse 4, In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. And Isaiah goes on to say here, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now these verses here, verses 8 and 9, are basically a statement of distance and difference between our thoughts and ways and the thoughts and ways of God. God says here clearly that my thoughts and my ways are not the thoughts and ways of man, meaning God's ways are different. And then he says my thoughts and my ways are higher than man's thoughts and ways, meaning there's a distance. So there's a difference and a distance. And let me address the distance part first. When he says here that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, It's an indication to us of what we should already know, that in every way, God's thoughts and God's ways are higher, superior, and greater than my thoughts and my ways. God is infinitely wiser, infinitely superior, uh, infinitely greater than I ever could hope to be, and thus even David says in Psalm 61 verse 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So there's, there needs to be this awareness that there's this great chasm of, of uh, distance between God and ourselves in terms of God being greater, superior, God being higher. We need to recognize that everything about God is higher than I. He, he knows what I do not and cannot know. He sees what I do not and cannot see. He understands what I do not and cannot fathom. That in every way, God is superior to my thoughts and my ways. And thus, I have to always realize that my picture of things is incomplete. And my understanding of things is narrow. And my perspective of things is limited. Now, I can tell you that this particular verse has brought much comfort to me over the years whenever I have faced something in life that I just don't understand that it is good to be reminded God's ways are not my ways and His thoughts are not my thoughts. But even as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways and God's thoughts higher than my ways and my thoughts. There's a purpose in all things. 
And even though it might escape my understanding, it never escapes God's. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was a man who lived during many kings' reigns. Perhaps the most well-known king during Isaiah's time was Hezekiah. Isaiah offered counsel and wisdom God had given him, encouraging these kings to continue following God. Some of them did, and others followed their own ways or the people's ways more than God's. Isn't it easy to slip into what the world around you is doing or saying, giving into their ways and rituals? This was the case then, and it's the case now. But what we can learn from Isaiah is that God can use people to speak truth. Did you know that getting together as a church family is one way that you can speak truth to one another? Here at Cornerstone Chapel, we get together each Sunday and Wednesday to learn from the Word and spend time in worship as sons and daughters of the King. It's a powerful time for us to learn together and fellowship together. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Find service times and directions by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks so much for listening and learning in the book of Isaiah on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.